1: <laughs> all right, we are back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Oilers Nation Radio episode 37. We are listening to Dead Silence, courtesy of Tyler Uremchuk. This is my favorite kind of music. Show producer.
4: I'm not really a music guy. This one's I climbing up the charts, isn't it? I prefer just listening
5: to Dead Silence.
1: You know what? It's just like it's a peaceful moment that we can all share together where we just sit <laughs> in silence and nothing happens. I, think, I still think
5: we should have sang our own intro.
1: Okay, let's try. Let's go. All right. You guys are going to do your own intro. Okay, we are going to go.
4: Go ahead. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. (laughs) <laughs> You're listening to Oilers <laughs> Nation Radio, brought to you by the Nation Network.
1: There we go. See, we that nice. That's a that's good, good. That energy <laughs> right there. That's, that's positive energy on the podcast now. Welcome to episode 37 of Oilers Nation Radio. We want to start off, as always, by giving a shout out to our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. You can go ahead and follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. Christopher, what kind of fun and interesting things does Sherwood Ford have going on right now?
5: Guess who's prepared today and has the web page up on my browser? I am. Go ahead. Uh, Sherwood Ford's big charity event coming up in June is their—they're uh, partnering with or they're sponsoring racing for a cure uh, to support the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. So, uh, for every test drive they give away in June, they're going to be donating to the Stollery, um, and they've got a big event on June twenty-second. Uh, There's going to be a parade where a bunch of VIP stollery patients uh, will be sitting in a bunch of fancy cars going through the parade. The Nation Truck will be in the parade, our very own. And uh, it uh, tours around downtown and then finishes up at the legislative grounds uh, where there's going to be like a big fair, a bunch of activities going on. So, so they're expecting like thousands of people to show up. It's going to be a very big event in Edmonton. So uh, plan your day around that.
1: Speaking of the Nation Truck, as always, if you see that beauty driving around the city, take a picture and tag it on social media with hashtag Nation Truck and you'll be entered to win a $100 gas card.
0: I'm going to hop in here for a second, making my podcast debut wow. um, on real life. For people Who that are listen you? to real life and this, I'm Tyler Uramchuk, the, <laughs> new, the new show producer. For people that listen to real life and this, um, you brought up the Eskimos trade of Ricky Ray on Nation Real Life. I did. And then you said they got Steven Giles and a kicker. Yeah. And then Wanye said, well, the kicker, wasn't he murdered? And you guys all agreed with it. The kicker is Grant Shaw and he's a sales associate at Sherwood Ford. So I just, I just want to get that out there right now. The kicker from the Ricky Ray trade was not murdered. Was he, he upset about that? Forward. Was he upset about that? No, I mean, well, he hasn't reached out to me. I just know that. Oh,
5: To be fair, I didn't agree with that point. I, was like, I zoned out of that conversation because it was way above my yeah, head. Yeah,
1: I would also agree that I didn't agree with anything that you just don't said. Don't put words in our mouth, Tyler. I don't know anything about the <laughs> CFL. In fact, I know Ricky Ray just because I've known that name. I could not name... Two Eskimos, right? Do you guys,
4: now. do you guys remember there was um, um, there was a Leafs game when they were playing the Coyotes, and uh, Paul, Paul Romanuk, the play-by-play announcer, because Jacob Chitron plays for the Coyotes, right? And he said Jeff Chitron, his dad, the former NHL player, died, which wasn't accurate. And there was just this long pause in the broadcast, and then like twenty minutes later, he comes back. He's like, "My apologies to
1: Jeff Chitron, <laughs> who is alive and well." <laughs> Has not passed away.
5: <laughs> That's
6: so funny.
1: Ha, oh, man. Well, thankfully nobody listens to uh, real life. There's like ten people, and thanks to Tyler for bringing that up again on this one. <laughs> yeah, I was
6: going to say. I think Wanye definitely was like just joking there. I don't think he was because I don't think because I know Wanye doesn't if, know shit I was just about say, the CFL. If Bag Milk knows nothing about the CFL, Wanye knows less. So throughout the podcast now,
4: if we mention anybody being dead. Or even if we mention possibly a dead person being alive, Tyler will jump in and ensure that that is... Accurate. uh, Yeah, we we don't want to be saying anything that isn't correct on the podcast. Tyler's
1: new role is fact-checking all of us, so... You're you like your our Google Tony Reale. You just sit there and you can uh, correct us.
5: Shout out to all of us for being on the Real Life Podcast this week too. That feels a like, big show. Big yeah. show
1: on Monday. If you haven't heard the someone, Real Life Podcast, someone, go and check that out wherever you get
6: your podcasts from. Someone called it Taking Your Kids to Work Day. It basically was. <laughs> it basically <laughs> Wait, was. Wait,
1: who's, who's kid? <laughs> You're all my children.
6: Well, then this is Taking children. Your
4: Kids to Work Day too. That's right. Every day is Taking Every Your Kids to day. Work Day.
5: Hell yeah.
1: Back to business, boys. I want to talk about some Oilers the big news du jour du week or whatever you want to say is that Craig McTavish signed a two-year contract to be a locomotive, HC Locomotive's head coach. McT is back behind the bench. Uh, Looking at the comment section from the article I wrote for the news release, I didn't, I knew people were going to be happy that McT was gone because he's the old boys club and whatever. I get all that. But there was a part of the article where I wrote I think most people could agree that MacTee was a very productive member of the organization for a long time. And that single phrase sentence slash sentence was what really pissed a bunch of people off. And I just didn't understand why they were disagreeing with it. Like, I can understand why you're mad that the Oilers are bad.
6: You can't look objectively at anything, Bag Milk. You I have mean, to- he was a
1: player here for nine years. He was a coach for nine years. He did all kinds of weird jobs. He ripped Harvey the hung Harvey the Hound's tongue out. Come on. I think of all the members of the Old Boys Club, Mac
4: T was never a guy I really had an issue with. I thought, like, I mean, his his, his gig this year was overseeing the Condors, right? That was part of what he did. The Condors had a good year. He I was thought... uh, the VP,
1: senior VP of hockey operations. And I
4: remember, yeah, part of part of his gig was helping out with Bakersfield. I don't know what that day-to-day would look like, but I remember reading somewhere that that was, like, his...
1: Even Even when he was GM, was he that bad? Was it that bad? He made weird he made weird calls. Like the one I think of specifically was where he's like, I'm gonna challenge Jeff Petrie on a one-year contract yeah. and let him walk away for free. And then he's like, I Justin Schultz has Norris potential. Yeah. And, and trading
4: uh <laughs> trading a, a pick for Nikita Nikitin's rights.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like there were some bizarre deals. Uh there was also some some decent deals. Like I remember he pulled the trigger on the Peron, he acquired Peron, Peron. That was a good trade. That was a good trade. Uh, he also flipped Peron for a first-round pick that Pietrilli fucked away in the because
4: Griffin- basically, trade. like if if he ended up drafting Matt Barzell in
1: that spot, you you turn Magnus Pyarvi into Matt Barzell in the span of two years. Yeah, it's not bad. That's legit. So there was ups and downs. I think Mac T. He only had two seasons at the GM before he got the demoted or whatever you want to call it in favor of Peter Shirelli. So that's super weird. But one thing I wanted to bring up as we're talking about him. Is Tyler, I assume this was you? The tweet about Mac T and best memory from his time here? Yeah, yeah, that was me. So Tyler is putting out the tweets. So he says, now that he's officially gone to Russia, this is from Oilers Nation Radio's Twitter account, at ON Radio Podcast. Now that he's officially gone to Russia, what's your favorite Craig McTavish memory from his time with the team? And there's a lot of great ones. So I just kind of want to go through a couple. If you've got your own... um." love to hear them. There's a lot of ripping Harvey the Hound's tongue out. Everybody loves that one. Great one. Classic. If you didn't know, or if you're six years old, or you're 12, and you're too young to under- remember, Harvey the Hound, the mascot for the Calgary Flames, poked his little head over the glass behind the weather's bench, and Mac T turned around and ripped that old tongue out. Chucked her back out in
6: the stands the saddle dome, and the saddle dome hasn't changed at all since. It is still a piece of shit. That is a that is an old Harvey the Hound costume though because his his costume was destroyed in the flood of two thousand and whatever. Was it? I didn't. know. Yeah, there, there's a really creepy photo out there if you look it up of of his head just laying in mud. <laughs> it's weird. Is that real? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. R.I.P. Harvey the Hound.
1: So it's like uh it's like he's Snowball two. Yes. You know no. I mean?
6: Exactly. Yes. <laughs>
1: Uh, So I just want to go through some of these reactions. I want to get your reactions. Oh oh, man, Tyler! We'll put. Oh man, Tyler just found the picture of Harvey the Hound's head. We'll put that up on our social. That is crazy. Never
6: forget that that arena was flooded up to like the eighth row of the lower bowl. It was terrifying. With poo water, it was all pooey water because that river is poo. It's Calgary. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna wait for your M. Chuck to correct me on this one.
1: Fact checker? He's just staring at Dan Blankley. I think
4: the thing to do is we're going to ask Tyler to fact check something, and I'm not going to pass him the mic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's important. I just want to make this as uncomfortable and weird as possible. So uh, going through again, I want to get some reactions. Uh, Harvey the Hound, there's a lot of that. This guy's was pretty funny. Two-turn Larry comes in with, The first time I heard the heckle, Hey, McTavish, your helmet needs a haircut. It's odd, but, you know, last player did not wear a helmet. Average sports fan says, That time you got a job in Russia. Yeah. See Ooh. what he did there?
5: Can I, I, I got to jump in here. Does anyone else feel bad for him? Out of all the places in the world to go coach, he has to go to Russia.
6: Yeah, but well, it is interesting. so Locomotive had the the plane crash there a couple of years ago. And I correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong, Uramchuk, no, you're but right. I think that they um, they took like players from other teams. Like It was kind of a, a work together of the entire oh, league so to so make bad. a new team. So I don't think there's a lot of pressure there for them to succeed like it's almost like he's taking over an expansion team.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think they've been okay. Um, the one thing, though, why would you feel bad for him? It wasn't. It was his choice. It's no, not like and- he got traded to Russia. He could have went to <laughs> Vancouver and just lived on his money and been fine. Question, well, Tyler. Yeah.
1: Do you think this was in the works for a while now, or when MacTee saw that there was a new regime coming in, might as well start putting your ducks in a row before you get shit-canned by Ken
0: Holland? Um, I 100% think that Ken Holland had a conversation with him. I think Ken Holland probably said something along the lines of, hey, we're probably going to be moving a different way with a lot of things, not going to be a lot of, or there is going to be a lot of turnover with the staff. And I feel like he just kind of read the writing on the wall and said, I'm going to get out before they fire me type of thing. Um, but when people say like they wanted Ken Holland to come in and get rid of the old Voice club and the old regime, I read this move here as step one of Ken Holland doing that.
2: Well, I like it I like it that he got to, like, visually, he gets to walk away. He gets to, like, handshake and walk away, whereas I know a lot of people wanted to see blood. They want to see heads chopped off, and they want to, you know, they want to see him come out, Can come out and go, okay, this guy's fired, this guy's fired, this guy's fired. And for the most part, people probably want to see him say why. Well, this guy's fired because of this. He sucked here, he sucked there. So watching him walk away on his own and kind of just no rumors, no nothing, it makes me feel good about this breakup because I do think he's uh he's been around forever and I think he was a really good coach and I don't know if he ever should have been GM but yeah. just from his coaching and his playing days I'm glad he's able to just walk away and can just kind of kind of do it clean.
5: I totally agree with that thought. I, I I do feel like Holland told him like he needs to find a new job this summer. But I, out of all the places like I think you just hear all these horror stories of like players in Russia and like out of all the places to just if you want to live for the next two years, like. But I think just, those
6: horror stories are from guys like Ryan Whitney, who are just like fluff on the on the fringe of the KHL instead of a head coach. <laughs> like the head coach's job. Sorry, Whitney. I guess uh, I don't know. That was just uh, a wild way to describe yeah, it. No, <laughs> yeah, <fair> no, yeah, <enough. laughs> but uh, yeah, he uh, yeah him and Grant Shaw listening, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think for McTavish, like he's probably get, he's probably going to get a cushy amount of money amount of putin's money and uh he'll go over there and and try and bring some legitimacy to the lo- local you always gotta
1: hope those rubles don't uh, decrease in value he could become
4: yeah. one of those guys like the nigel dawes type who suddenly is like a, a russian or a kazakhstani citizen and now all of a sudden like mac T's suiting up for team russia in the olympics not even as a coach but mac T's out there in you know 2022 wherever the hell the olympics are going to be the next time not wearing a lid just like sixty years old,
1: silver fox. I'd say it'd probably be like maybe one of the periphery countries, not Russia. Like I can see, yeah, play for Uzbekistan, something like that. Maybe Kazakhstan. Well, you know what I mean? New. Like I, I, feel like Mack T can still contribute there. The, like maybe, maybe, maybe if Mack had gone to play, do a player coach type scenario with the uh, Manchester Monarchs over in England, they wouldn't have folded last week. Manchester maybe
0: that's
6: in who is in New Hampshire? Sorry, Manchester's New Hampshire.
1: Was it not in England? No, that's,
6: oh, the, that's shit. the American I was like, hockey team. That made team. way more sense to me yeah. than
1: it was closing in England. I'm like, why would English people care about hockey? Yeah, no, God damn. That was the um,
0: ECHL affiliate of the LA Kings. Also, going to slide in here with a little bit more fact checking. You guys are saying expectations are low in Yaroslavl. Uh, last year, conference semifinals came fourth in the KHL. The year before that, fifth. They lost in the conference semifinals year before that they lost okay. in the conference final year before that they came, they came lost in the conference quarterfinals We're second in the regular season so, it was so, so like now we have of,
1: Tyler here so we yeah. can't just say a bunch of bullshit yeah, yeah. So, so you've caught years.
0: us every episode until this point of us just been bullshitting Tyler's
5: just, he's fans. been
4: on the podcast for like 10 minutes and he laid into Chris he just carved Dan <laughs> but if you correct me I'm gonna push you over you better be careful
6: but the other thing with the KHL too is, and they, we just saw it today because the KHL teams are starting to uh to trade for the rights of any current NHL players because they're gearing up for a lockout coming up. That's so, the season after this upcoming. So maybe 2020, you, uh, 2021 Maybe you see a McTavish trying to lure over some Oilers.
1: Back to the best Mac team moments. Talking to Brian Burke is like trying to sip from a water uh, sip water from a firehouse. I've always liked that one.
5: <laughs> you said that? Yeah, I don't remember. Uh,
1: mocking reporters who promote NHL fighting. The further I get away from the ice level, the more brave I become. Uh, there's, uh, Mark Majot chimed in with after Pisani in game five, won it in overtime, held up seven fingers to the fans behind the Oilers bench, signifying they were coming back. I like that poll from Majot. Uh, this one, I'm a big fan of David. David Villey chimed in with, and of course, this is allegedly in David's opinion, when he scooped up my girlfriend on the dance floor, Barry Tees. <laughs> Wow, She went stage five clinger on him and it saved me a world of hurt. Again, allegedly in David's opinion that happened. (laughs) Uh, Jackie B says, out coaching several high-ranking teams getting the Oilers one goal away from winning the Stanley Cup in 2006. Uh, There's just a whole bunch and there's like a bunch of people who said he was super kind when he would stop and take pictures with people. There's a lot of that. He was always kind and had a couple of minutes for everybody dan you had an interesting experience with mac t when you went over to was it germany
6: to cologne yep yeah when i was in cologne uh we we were at the uh the big cathedral there that uh, is quite famous it's a it's a neat look up if you have a chance uh but the players were actually staying at a hotel just across the street and we went into a coffee shop and mctavish was just standing there so i i shook his hand and said hello and and uh and then we went and sat outside, and then McTavish went and sat at a table like right next to us, but just kind of like on his own. So we invited him to come sit with us, and uh, and he did. And he had he had two coffees with us, and and we had a good chat. And he just he, he and it, there was there was Boiler fans all around that just kinda, kind of kind uh, of crowded in, and they wanted to, to have a minute to talk to him. And he gave everybody the time of day, and and uh, he was open to talking about everything, even though he knew I worked for Oilers Nation, which was uh, which was neat. But uh, yeah he, he's uh, he's just a I mean like at the end of the day, I think anybody that says that they hate the Old Boys Club, which you know I'm, I'm a part of too uh, being around the team, I think at the end of the day these guys are just good people to be in person with um, just maybe not running your team.
1: Uh, I'm a big fan of Earl's feedback uh, when he grabbed and pulled the tongue out of Ralph the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Big
6: fan of That's Ralph the close. Dog. D- was there a dog that he ripped a tongue out of on the street? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph?
0: Ralph. Tyler, can you fact check that, please?
6: Ralph the
4: Dog is a Muppet. A Muppet Whoa. character. R-O-W-L-F. R- R- Ralph the Dog. A Muppet. A <laughs> scruffy brown dog of... Uh, and an indeterminate breed though part corgi with a rounded black nose long floppy ears he was created and originally performed by Jim Henson Ralph is the Muppet Theater's resident pianist as well as one of the show's main cast members I remember him so Mac T ripped out the the tongue of Ralph the dog so what we're learning here is
1: Mac T allegedly is not a big fan of the Muppets and this Mac conversation is always brought to you from our friends at Sherwood Ford. Again, follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. Check out all those beautiful whips that you should head out to Sherwood park, Alberta to take a test drive in. get on out
6: there. Dude, talk to Grant Shaw, former Edmonton Eskimo kicker.
1: Yeah. Grant will Still help alive. You. Why not? Grant will help you get into any vehicle that you would like to get into. Um, Sticking along the lines of coaching, the Edmonton Oilers are still looking for their next head coach. Um, Ken Holland said that he kind of wanted to get it sorted out relatively quickly before the end of May, I believe. Tyler will fact check me on that and tell me I'm wrong again. (laughs) Who do you guys think? Like, obviously the front runner right now, I think whose job it is to lose based on some of the insider stuff that's gone out this week is Dave Tippett. There was one, I don't remember who it was, one of the big names said it was either Buffalo or Edmonton for Dave Tippett and Friedman said that was it Friedman mm-hmm. and then Buffalo just went and hired Ralph Krueger this past week Wrecking so Ralph what do you guys think who is your coaching front runner um, I don't really know I don't I'm not gonna pretend that I have a valid opinion on it um, Dave Tippett would be funny to see Connor McDavid's team play the trap everybody loves the trap Everybody loves watching it. Although he is uh, kind of known, I think, as a player's coach from what I've read about him. There's also Todd Nelson. There's Glenn Gullitson's in the mix. Um, what do you guys think? Dan?
6: Is, I still hope it's going to be... I still like. I hold out a lot of hope that after his interview that Todd Nelson is in the, is in the top two. Do you think he's going to get an interview or do you think they're just giving it to Tippett? I think they should give him an interview. I can't imagine that Holland... Having had him as a mm-hmm. uh, as, an, as or sorry uh, as his guy in Grand Rapids, that he wouldn't give him a chance. But I just uh, I have a I have a soft spot for
0: Todd Nelson. I think he's
6: I think he gives you the players element, but also he has some good uh, some good coaching style.
0: The thing I'll say about him being a coach who's, I mean his thing was the trap right and those low scoring defensive. Games in Arizona, Phoenix, whatever you want to call it. You mean Dave Tippett? Yeah, Dave Tippett. Yeah. What, the thing with Tippett, he gets that reputation, but was he doing that because that's what he believed was the best chance to win? Or was he doing that because that was the way to do it with a team that wasn't very good in Arizona? Like you had Shane Doan, who, yeah, okay, 50 55 point guy, but that's who was leading your team with Oliver eckman Larson. He knew he had a good goalie. He knew he had an okay defense, so he just kind of played to that strength. I'd be interested if he comes here, does he find a way to kind of crank it up a bit? And Rick's nodding in agreement with me. Yeah,
2: that's the one thing. He never really had the offensive talent wherever he's been that he's going to have when he gets here. So we really don't know what his actual philosophy is. You know what he's done with what he's had. So I want to know... I'd love to hear his his uh, interview and just go you know what this is what I'm gonna do with this type of an offense because I think what we're at right now is we're, we need someone who's a little more progressive who doesn't really do the old school game who kind of you know brings in the speed and all that all that new stuff right now and I think the biggest thing against him is everybody knows what he's done before. And he hasn't utilized that, but it's because he didn't have it. So at the end of the day, I just want someone who's gonna be progressive, who plays the new game, who's out there all about speed and skill. And I like Bagnolk said, I really don't know who it's gonna be. But those are the things I wanna see covered, as opposed to, you know, this guy who wants to say, let's we gotta watch out for our own end right now. Well, if we play at the puck in the other end of the ice. We're not too worried about our own right now. If you
4: look back at... So before Dave Tippett was the coach of the Coyotes, he had coached the Dallas Stars after Ken Hitchcock's tenure. And it's kind of an interesting thing to look at is in his first season, they finished top five in the league in goals. After that, they were 20th in the league, and then they were top 10 again, and then back down lower. So they kind of flipped back and forth. But in each of those seasons that he was there in Dallas, he had kind of a, a veteran squad with some talent, and it seemed... They were successful in different ways, which I think is interesting. There's, there's one year where, you know, Mike Medano puts up 90 points and they're a top offensive club. And then there's the next year where they're a low offensive club, but they still carve their way into the playoffs playing a checking game. And I think that kind of points to a coach that has some level of versatility. And if you look back again in just Coyotes days, like he took a really, really mediocre team to the conference finals. I think it was, what, in 2012? with their best player was what like Radim Verbata Ray
5: Whitney at the age
4: of 47 like his 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 pedigree is pretty good
5: yeah
1: Whitney is alive Chris go ahead
5: (laughs) noted it took uh, some hesitation and thinking on my part but I'm fully on board with Dave Tippett at this point Um, he didn't have like the greatest finish in Arizona uh, but his tenor overall like he's a very good record as a coach and and I'm surprised he hasn't been hired already I'm curious to see what comes out over the next few days like uh what interviews are being taken place. Um, I'm surprised. I I fully expect Tippett to get hired.
1: Uh, Dusty Nielsen wrote at aweathersnation.com a little while ago, about 10 days ago, about some potential options. And I'm wondering if any of these tickle your fancy as well. So leading the list was Dave Tippett. Next up was Dan Bilesma, Todd Nelson, Chris Knobloch, who was Connor's junior coach in Erie, uh, Glenn Gullitson, who's an assist, assistant coach right now, or Jay Woodcroft getting the bump up from Bakersfield. Do any of those coaches inspire you?
6: I think to next year. I think uh, to me, it's like a, it's a foregone conclusion right now that Tippett's the front runner, but I think that any one of those names could come up if the if the interview goes well. But I think where you're going to see Chris Knobloch's name come up is probably with Bakersfield after. Wheeler's Woodcroft to L.A. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Woodcroft, I don't think you bump
2: him up right now. There are all sorts of rumors of him going over to L.A., which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, You might as well put in a couple years in the NHL as a successful head coach and then get your jump up as another head coach in the NHL as opposed to just going back to being an assistant coach on a team that... May not be very good for the next little while. I mean, they're they're in some issues. They're a little bit older right now. I don't see them really bouncing back into a massive playoff contender next year. So I don't really see the benefit in his long term career there. Um, Todd Nelson, I think, has the heartstrings of everybody here because of his time here and his time down, you know, the AHL when he was when he was a part of the uh, part of the organization. But I think uh, Tippett might be the safe play. And when you've got a team like this, and we've got a couple of years that we're growing so well. You might want to take the safer choice here. Go with a Tippett. Go with Holland, and then Tippett. You know, if you want to move him out in a couple of years, you've got Woodcroft coming up underneath him. Uh, Gullison. He, you know, he was out there in Calgary before, so he's got a little more to a little more to learn to add to his resume. Um, I'm going all in on Tippett right now too. I think I'm all in on. I, I know I just
4: talked highly of
2: Tippett, and I agree with Rick. It is it is
4: the safe choice, but I think the Oilers. I, 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 I've fallen in love with the idea of the Chris Knobloch thing just because he was McDavid's coach in Erie, and I mean, obviously Connor McDavid's like such a like a like an exceptional talent, but still, I think there's something to be said for how well McDavid was coached in the OHL, and Knobloch has that background. He he won a WHL championship with Kootenay. He won the WHL championship in Erie, and he's got a lot of experience pounding out like a lot of good young players from those systems.
2: I see a lot of connections between Knobloch and Edmonton, but I, other than the fact that he was the uh, head coach of, of Connor way back when, would he still be in contention then? Like, I don't think Connor needs, we don't need to bring a coach in who's like buddy, buddy with Connor or whatever. I think you need a coach in to come in, you know, put this whole, this whole team together. So I don't, I don't see how Knobloch gets above a Tippett, a Nelson, even a gulletson for that matter off top, just because he had connections with Connor uh, in juniors.
6: I think it's more, when it comes to Knobloch, I think it's more that it's just communicating with the young players right now. And and that's a a nightmare of an issue that we've had kind of bubbling underneath the surface is that we have all these old school guys like Ken Hitchcock and and, uh, and Todd McClellan um, that just don't, they seem to lose the kids. Um, You can't yell at the kids anymore because they're, they're, Fragile egos will will break into a thousand pieces, and you can't bag skate. You can't bag skate anybody because, good lord, they have they can't break a sweat anymore. I don't know, and it's just it, so I think I think with a Knoblock Knoblock uh, angle, it's just that you're you're getting somebody that can talk millennials, talk, change their diapers,
4: communicate with them in emoji, that I, kind of thing. I
1: can see a guy like Chris Knoblock coming in as uh, an assistant coach, depending on who gets the head coaching job. I mean, it would make sense if he wants to leave where he's currently at. Uh, he, I don't
6: know. He was, he's been let go by the Flyers. So Man, he's where were you on that one, Tyler? Free agent. Come on. I just I just i think
1: uh
6: I think having a
5: player-friendly coach in Edmonton would do us a lot of good. Just like we talk about culture so much, and if there's like dressing room tension, nothing will fix that better than having a player-friendly coach.
6: But also we do have currently, we have... Uh, Manny Viveros, who pl- uh, coached the Swift Current Broncos uh, two years ago uh, before coming to us. At the end of the day, as well. it is 100% on fixing the roster.
2: And then, you know, a head coach at that point doesn't really matter because you could have the greatest head coach with the greatest second greatest head coach on the bench last year, and this team wasn't going to be much different. So if you don't fix the roster first, your coach really doesn't matter at that point.
1: I mean, a guy like Nuge is what? He's going into his ninth season with eight coaches or something ridiculous like that. Rick's 100% right. You have to fix the roster. You can't have three guys that score. You can't. It just doesn't work that way. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks as we lead up to the draft and try to figure out who is going to be the Oilers' 6,000th coach since 2010. A couple of the boys here at the table have written about the defensive logjam that the Oilers could be facing in maybe this year, maybe next year, maybe the year after that, depending on how guys progress. You've got a prospect like Samorukov who's ripping it up with Guelph right now. Evan Bouchard had an excellent playoff run with the Condors. You've got Caleb Jones. You've got Ethan Baird that are kind of bubbling under, maybe ready for prime time. Looking at the Oilers' defense, Cam, I'll start with you. Who needs to go? How do they fix this logjam? Who's moving up? Who's moving down? What do you think?
4: Well, maybe the Oilers... Uh, I know a lot of the commenters are really excited about the idea of trading Leon Dreisettle for Seth Jones to further... I know Rick loves that. He he busted up into the office and he kicked the door down and he says, I have not slept since you suggested that trade. I want to happen so badly. But no, jokes aside, the Oilers are the 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 blue line's just like ridiculously back-loaded right now. You have on the left side, there's already Clefbaum and there's already Nurse and there's already Sakara and there's already Chris Russell. And then beneath that, you have prospects that, like Caleb Jones, I don't really know how much more time in the AHL that guy needs. William Laguson's right behind him. And then like you mentioned, you've got Sam Murakov as well coming up. Where's that guy going to play? I mean, you have like seven lefties right there. There isn't that much space for all of them. You need to start... The Oilers need to start opening up some space on their blue line so their prospects can develop and come up. Um I suggest who's, who's
1: your safe bet?
4: My safe bet? Yeah. To stay to go. To to go. go. Um I think they'll actively try to move one of Sakara and Russell. I think Sakara is the easier one to move because despite the fact he has a larger cap hit, he is significantly better player and he he came back from his injury look, last year and looked quite good. I would rather keep him. And move Russell. I don't know if moving Russell's a thing they can do. But in my opinion, I think the play to make is to sell high on Nurse's breakout offensive season. Because the reality is if he puts up another forty point year next year, we're looking at like Essa Lindell, who is thoroughly mediocre, got paid what, six point three million 5. in Dallas? Five point eight. <laughs> there we go. Tyler uh corrected me there. So fact so, yeah, checking. Yeah, I mean like Lindell is like a, a 20 30 point D man. He's he's okay. And he got paid Big money, and I think Nurse puts up another season like that. He gets paid like 6.5 annually, so why not look to move him for like a like a William Nylander type, something like that? Like a, a team like Toronto needs a blue liner. Kyle Dubas is familiar with Nurse, he had him in Sault Ste. Marie. Go and acquire that really good, skilled, speedy winger to play alongside McDavid. And there you go, you have your fourth forward who can put the puck in the nut.
1: I bet you're playing with Connor or Nuj, like either way, it's it'd be very nice. Go ahead.
0: Um. Yeah, I I agree with you on some of the things, but I think Chris Russell is going to be easier to move than you think. Looking um, at Chris
1: Russell's contract on Puckpedia dot com, he gets paid his his cap hit is four million bucks. His base salary this year is four million, but then it swan dives to one point five in twenty 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 twenty
0: twenty one. So I think there are certain teams who will look at that <laughs> and enjoy it. I. I just think you'll find an old school GM somewhere like Vancouver was able to move Eric Goodbranson. Now granted they had to take back Tanner Pearson, but if you could if Eric Goodbranson can get traded, Chris Russell can get traded. You know there's still a handful of GMs out there who are gonna overvalue the shot blocking, who are gonna overvalue everything all the intangibles that cowboy Chris brings. I think he'll be easy to move, and I think he will get moved. Um, The Oilers had him playing on his offside this past season, and I think that could almost, as weird as this sounds, boost his trade value a bit in the sense that when they're dangling him out there, they can go to other teams and say, hey, he's proven on the left side, he's proven on the right side, he'll handle wherever you really want to put him. So I think moving Chris Russell makes a little bit of sense. If I can throw out a trade proposal that I put in my last piece today on the site, what if they could find someone for like, to give you a third or a fourth round pick for Chris Russell Dream scenario let's say it's a fourth though a fourth round pick for Russell you take the fourth and Ethan bear and you swap it for Colin Miller out in Vegas
1: You're getting creative I like this you're thinking things try funny. to just
0: get any single asset for Russell and then package it up like it sounds weird but Ethan bear is almost useless to this organization now when you look at that right side and the fact that Matt Benning, Evan Bouchard, and Joel Pearson are all ahead of him on that depth chart. I think Ethan Bear might be a guy that's not that safe. And on the left side, you have Klefbaum, Nurse, Sekera, Caleb Jones, Dmitry Samarukov. There's a part of me that thinks Caleb Jones might not be too safe either. I know that they really like him and what he brought in his few NHL games this year, but if you have Samarukov coming up and you think he's one year in the AHL away from being a full-time NHL defenseman, and say you want to keep Clefbaum Nurse, and Sekera this year, well, then maybe you just slide out Jones, trade him while he maybe has the value of a B-level prospect, and you get a good young forward for him, and Samarukov can be that next guy coming up on the left side.
2: Would you rather do that or try, and in the same scenario, move uh, Sekera too, too, and then have Jones as your number three? Because I think he's going to be just fine with the amount of minutes he gets, and if you can uh, structure your top four properly... They can play more minutes and then really uh, secure that bottom third a little bit better than what we've done in the previous years. Uh, I can still see something where Russell hopefully is gone, and if you could move, I don't want to move Sakura, but think five of five and cap a half million space. dollars on the uh, on the cap space, man. If you could, uh, if you could somehow move that, it's a, a lot huge. of money.
4: But he he is a solid player, right? Like if there was anybody on this team right now, you'd want your Bouchard. That's actually yeah. The, that's the one that I that I I really think makes a lot of sense. Is you'd love to have Evan Bouchard playing on a pairing when he comes up in elite with Sakara, I think he's well, and he, he's such a steadying player. To
1: further the point, like, how good did Sexy Reg look when he came back? Like and he's killing lot, it in the championships. A right lot now. of us thought he wasn't going to play well, maybe not even play at all last year. And we came back and he was making breakout passes that other guys couldn't do. He was doing a lot of things that other defensemen on this team can't do. And you're just looking at it like. Man, if only they had had Sexy Reg all year, then maybe maybe things would have been different. I think at the end of the day, the log jam on the back end needs to get cleared out. It needs a fresh look, a fresh breath of air, (laughs) kind of like what you'd get from our friends at POG. What I need you to do is I need you to head over to thepogstore.com. Check out the unit that fits your life, whether it's a mobile unit for your car, something inside your fridge, or the plug-in wall unit that you're going to put in your garage where you hang your hockey equipment. Whatever you need, Pog is there to freshen your household, freshen your life. It kills 98% of household odors caused by bacteria and fungus, freshens and purifies the air naturally using the power of ozone, and it eliminates odors without the use of dangerous chemicals. Head on over to the pog. ThePogStore.com and try their 30-day challenge.
0: Do it! Let me hit you with a Pog fresh idea. What if they were to move on from Russell? Are you confident enough in Secker's ability to play the offside and put him with Jones on a third pairing? I think that's something that could be looked at.
2: So on Twitter right now, there's a thread by Wheaton Oil, and he breaks down moving Nurse from the left to the right and putting Nurse with Clef Bomb and Sekra and Larson together. Uh, the things he really talks about are the, <laughs> the negatives from moving from your, your positive wing to your off wing. Uh, it really takes away from your exit passes but because Nurse carries it out so often that's really more a little bit more minimal. Um, just reading that whole thread, which I highly suggest everyone goes to read, I'm fully on board with what he was saying. And you roll with Cloughbaum Nurse as your first, and then Sekra Larson as your two, and then your third really could be. I would like to see uh, Jones there, and and I think you put Benning there. And if you do have one of these younger Swedes that are pushing their way up, they you can have them try and do six and seven with Benning if you Benning was your seventh like I know he gets paid a little bit more than, uh, than you like him to but if Benning was your seventh and you're running a Pearson or uh, Lagesson or whoever on the right side to go along with Jones I think you're okay with that
1: thoughts prayers dreams aspirations
5: oh. all of those yeah I agree I agree with Rick hundred percent um to your point Tyler I'd much rather see nurse flip over instead of uh, Sekera just for the sake that uh, nurse's stats like skating the puck out of the zone Instead of passing it um, You never really want to see anybody Like Wheaton Oil goes through the pros and cons Of just switching sides in general And, and you don't really want to see anybody But if it had to be a guy I, I would like to see Nurse give it a try And then you could have uh, even Russell
1: Playing on his right side too Sticking along the trade slash rumors TSN over at tsn.ca Frank Saravalli this morning Released the TSN trade board which at number 15... Actually, you know what? I'll just run through it real quick. Number one on the list is Phil Kessel. Two, Jacob Truba. Three, Ryan Callahan. Four, Jason Zucker. Five, P.K. Subban. Six, Fro-Leak, Michael Froleek in Calgary. Seven, Connor Brown. Kyle Turris in Nashville. I didn't realize Kyle Turris made $6 bucks. Interesting. Yeah. He had uh, 55 points last year, in case you were wondering. Kevin Kirk from New York. Artemi Panarin in Columbus. I guess you're going to trade for his rights, maybe. Although or sign
6: and trade.
4: I think we all sign kind of. Trade I, of trade I think it's already a foregone conclusion that dude in Bobrovsky was signing in Florida, I thought.
1: I wish the NHL, like to Dan's point, I wish the NHL did more sign and trades.
4: Oh, sign and trades are a good time. Sign yeah. and
1: trades are a good time. You know what I mean? That's why I like about the NBA. Uh, Travis Haminick in Calgary, Nikita Zaitsev in Toronto, Oli Mata in Pittsburgh, Colin Miller in Vegas, and rounding out the top 15, one Milan Lushish with four years left on his D. On his deal at six million dollars per. Now, last summer, we got many complaints on the website about how often we wrote about (laughs) Milan Lucic trade rumors. We were talking about potential moves to anywhere. This week, on Cam was reading it, listening to it. What was on thirty thoughts, thirty-one thoughts this morning that Friedman was saying they got offers but wanted too much. How did that go?
4: Uh Well, there was talk earlier in the week that came out in which Friedman suggested before the Ken Holland hire the Oilers front office, I don't know who it would have been, Keith Gretzky, the, the Brain Trust, Nicholson, whatever, were mulling over the idea of a possible Lucic buyout despite the fact that... You know, it, it, it's a difficult contract to buy out, but now there's been talk, it was Friedman again saying the Oilers were trying to make a trade, but rather than just a pure dump, they're viewing him as somebody that has value and that they could actually get something back. Which I mean, if if you're eating half the contract and a team's acquiring a three million dollar a year Lucic, then yeah, maybe there's some value there. But I don't. If you're you're purely dumping that six million, then I don't know if there's anything coming back other than another bad contract.
1: Are you suggesting that there wouldn't be many teams out there? looking to acquire a $6 million man that had six goals, 14 assists for 20 points last
4: year. No, I don't think many teams have a burning appetite for that. And the other difficulty, too, is in the past we had, you know, you had your Arizonas and teams like that that were all trying really hard to reach the cap floor and struggling to do so. But I think this coming season, you only really have one. Ottawa is the only team that's in that situation where they're going to eat shit contracts to get to the floor. There isn't, there aren't that many places that are going to be down to take on a bad contract.
1: Well, and ultimately Milan Lucic controls where he goes because he's got a bulletproof deal where he's got a full no move. So if Ottawa, even if Ottawa did come calling, he could just be like, no, nah, I don't want to go to Ottawa.
0: And the thing with teams wanting to get to the cap floor is they can do that going year by year and taking bad contracts that have a year left. You don't go take Milan Lucic to get six mil. You go take Ryan Callahan from Tampa Bay. And people are always like, oh, well, look at Arizona. They took Pronger's deal and Datsuk's deal. Those were dead money contracts. They basically had no salary attached to them. They just bought the cap hits from those respective teams. It was Philly and Detroit? Lucic's money and cap hit, and that scares off a lot of small market teams.
1: So, looking at Lucic's contract this year, his well, as we know, his cap hit is um, it's six million bucks. The total salary this year is six million. Next year's salary is four million. And then five, and then four million to round it out. So it's not like you're not getting big savings, like Tyler just said. You're 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 paying the guy, just kind of what do you?
5: I'd also like to add to any uh, general managers that are listening to this right now. uh, Not only with Lucic's six goals and six million dollar contract you get for trading him, you also get uh, he is very entertaining interviews. Um, He's very emotionally. Uh, he has two very cute daughters uh, that he always fist bumps before the game, so that provides good entertainment. Um,
6: You're selling them hard here. This yeah. is, I want to ke- keep following this. There was one there.
5: more thing, but I can't remember. That's all I, that's all I got. All oh, he hits? he throws hits?
1: He's got plenty of hits.
5: Plenty of hits. Uh, Top he, 10
1: in the league, I've heard.
5: He gets off the... He, his changes are quick. Like You never find him stuck at the bench like he's in and out quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so he's good. And
1: Gabriel Landis there.
5: And he's a good dressing room guy. So,
6: think did about Danny it.
1: Got any cells? Let's follow this for a minute. What are your cells on Milan
6: Lucic? Um,
1: he had two fights on hockeyfights.com He did. Like, I looked at that. So he's not a big fighter. He's anything.
6: not a big fighter. Well, he. I mean, he can be if he needs to be. Sure. Nuclear if, deterrence, uh, if you will. If somebody punches him in the face first, he'll probably punch them back. Mm-hmm. Um, which is usually the way now. In hockey fights, world. I liked when he um, dummy.
1: I don't remember they were playing Tampa. I think when he dummied that guy in the corner and kind of like shook. Matthew him Joseph. I like when he does. I like when he shakes guys. <laughs> Just really scares them like a dad would, you know?
6: Yeah. He uh, speaks highly of other cities, so he like.
1: He loves Vancouver.
6: Yeah, he gives he gives a lot of uh, a lot of love to other cities, which is good. He doesn't like dry, arid climates. No, so there's lotion
1: on the skin. I again this is good throwing back to earlier episodes of Oilers Nation Radio. I offered. I offered to lube him up.
6: Yep. If he's feeling dry, let me know. But there's gotta be some there's gotta be some moist cities that he can go to.
1: A nice humid climate.
6: Maybe
4: there there's a team in Hawaii. Perhaps.
6: I hear that he likes to pick up the pick up the appetizer
5: bill when the boys go out for a meal.
1: Oh quick appies. Milan's like, hey boys, I got it. Yep. You wanted there's, the
6: bandana pizza bread. There's no way that you can have this fact checked by your own check. Tyler? No. Yeah, good luck confirmation, to that
1: one. Please. scouring the internet. He cannot prove or disprove that Milan Lucic. He's Luchich. looking at
4: Milan Lucic's tax records to see if he's writing off the appetizers from the Cactus Club Cafe.
1: Oh, well, lettuce wraps with the boys. Yeah, That's nice. Everybody enjoys that.
6: You should have gone to the brew house.
1: Cam, if you're selling Milan Lucic, what is your selling point? <sighs>
6: um, you won a gold draft because of him? It's true. Yeah. We're
1: going to get to that because we need to discuss jerseys. If oh. you
4: um, trade for Milan Lucic, you can also acquire me. And I will pick the games that he scores because I know best.
1: That is true. Of all the people, Cam ran well, away with it with a 4-1 win. I am the Milan, um, I am the Milan whisperer. He is.
5: The next goal draft, Cam should have like double the amount of games and everybody else so he can, uh, Lucic can score more.
1: We need it. Mm-hmm. Cam, we need you. Sure. This, is, this next season is all on you, really. It always talking. is. So if Milan is still here come September, October... And he doesn't score more than six goals. I know where I'm going to be pointing the blame.
6: You know what? I think even if he isn't here, we should still do it because you know he's he's uh, he's a hard hitting guy that we paid money to i think i think
4: even even if that guy gets dealt or bought out or retires or something i think there's going to be milan lucic content for a long time i think we're going to be this guy's going to be a point of conversation for the next like five ten years no matter what
1: what do you mean like what are you thinking say
4: he gets traded to vancouver whenever he does or says anything Oilers fans are going to dissect the fuck out of it
2: sure
1: because we're going to it's also a interesting warning too about dipping too heavily into free agency for yeah which, that entire which no no team has ever heeded. that ever. year. That year, it yeah. was Lucic, Ocposo, um, David Backus, Ladd.
6: Franz Nielsen.
1: So there's not, and you know, I mean, like, which one of those guys has been a high performer? Because they all got big money.
4: None. They they're all like they're all bad contracts. Like the best one handed out that day was Franz Nielsen, who's effectively a hybrid third second line center who puts up like 40 points a year for five and a half mil. Yeah. And then Lad's contract's a disaster. Backes kind of carved out a role, but he's Lucic esque, Lucic Luke is obviously a disaster. Louis Erickson, Canucks fans couldn't like they would drive that guy to the airport, and and pay for an upgrade for him to sit.
1: Oh, more legroom.
4: Yeah, in a business class.
1: Oh, I was just gonna go emergency exit row. Oh, I would love those.
4: I, I would prefer the emergency exit row to the first class.
1: We're on a we're on a budget here, but you need legroom. Emergency exit row. Let's work it out. I think what Cam's saying is that sometimes free agency contracts really stick, and. It's a problem. It's a problem that can be solved by our friends at POG. As I mentioned earlier, if you head over to thepogstore.com, they have got a unit that fits your life, whether that's in your fridge, your car, your house, your bedroom, your living room, your bathroom, in your gym bag, whatever you need. POG has a unit for you. Head on over to thepogstore.com and pick something up that will kill 98% of household odors caused by bacteria and fungus and eliminate all of those odors without the dangerous use of chemicals. Check out their 30-day challenge today gentlemen I want to turn to the playoffs last night basting just moved forward to the cup finals after sweeping the Carolina Hurricanes my friend Rick behind me was very excited about that very excited about that uh, Chris I think that was you that put up the was that you that put up the Hurricanes picture on nation's Twitter yeah or social yeah Oilers fans don't forget man although I, there was some that did
5: I did it more for Rick uh, personally <laughs> I'm not butthurt about that still but I understand. I understand the pain.
1: Most of my angst is still you directed towards
4: Bergeron, man.
5: <laughs> I was... You were like four years old when it happened. No, we were 13. We were 13. We were Tyler 13. was four. <laughs> I was nine. Tyler was nine.
2: Well, I was... God, I'm old. 37? 25? I was 25. I was on White Ave every night. That last party would have been epic. Oh Epic. And the only reason we didn't have it is because of Rod Brindamore and whoever else was over there at the time Justin and I dare damn to you half that crowd was very happy that I walked home sad that night that I walked home and there might have been a little bit of fucking tear in my left eye and left eye only it was a really windy night they were all very happy how upset I was and I honestly last night watching that when it it was the second goal that really got me that was the one I really enjoyed I was like hey you know what now it's over. That first goal, everyone, you know, you still feel like you can come back. That second goal, I was like, okay, no, this is it. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to enjoy the last little bit of this. And if I could have had a camera that just panned through the stands the rest of the game, I would have been very happy to watch them go from very happy and then just watch them slowly turn sadder and sadder and sadder and, sadder, and then have to pick up that towel they had behind them, use that for their tears, and walk their ass out of there before... Holyfield could come out and punch somebody before they brought out a fucking basketball hoop they go dunk before anybody go play duck hunt they all went home they went home sad and I sat back and I had a great evening
4: hey a key thing to remember you were talking about how epic the party would have been on white that night when you are in your youth at 25 um is when Big George LaRock was on the podcast with us he talked about losing in 2006 and he said what bugged him the most about it is how raleigh durham carolina didn't deserve it because then when they had their cup parade the city was like you guys have to keep it quiet and get this done in like an hour oh yeah and they did not give a flying fuck i was more about partying and getting fired up
5: i was more happy carolina lost last night because they're an extremely boring team to watch and that series (laughs) was awful i didn't watch much of it but it, it was the lowest entertainment i've ever seen in the playoffs so far and I'm so glad they're not in the finals. So you
0: didn't like my hand pass compilation that I put together? That was fun. <laughs> Has since the first round of the playoffs, it's all been downhill. Yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like that every year in the NHL. Like the first round's banging and it's amazing, <laughs> and then after that, it's okay. The second round's good. I always find the conference finals. I am like nowhere to be seen. I've watched like I think I watched 40 minutes of Game One of Carolina Boston, and I watched. The last overtime of St. Louis, San Jose. That's it. I'm not ashamed to admit it because it is that happens in the NHL. There's no stars to market the game around. I know people are going to get mad at me for comparing it to the NBA, but you got Kawhi, Steph Curry, Giannis. You got all these big CJ superstars. McCollum. CJ, no, not CJ McCollum. Dame Lillard. <laughs> big country. But you got Reeves. all these big stars to market Damon it around, Scott and all Scott these O'Brien. really, really stacked Vince teams. Carter.
5: I uh, we Scotty we people. were talking about that this morning. I like at first you're pumped that Dennis Carolina gets. At first, you're Dan. Let me talk here. At first, you're pumped that Carolina made it to the second round. Yeah. It's like, well, not Carolina, but just any other team that's not, you know, like a, a new team that's gonna win the cup. And Can then you now your you're like just upset that it's not. At this point, you
0: wish there was a Tampa Bay, Washington, something like that still exactly. kicking, yeah. so you could watch really, really good hockey teams instead of teams that get get pucks deep and play See, the 3-2 or the 2-2-1 or whatever I disagree
6: with that though I think that the fact that if if the Bruins and the Sharks weren't included in this group of of teams that have moved on I think it would be more exciting you've got the St. Louis Blues storyline there you've got the dude uh, the Sharks have never won the Blues have never won Sharks Sharks a, Thornton
2: has never won the, I know the Sharks I've are never won. if you're just if you're Sharks just referring to this because we're Oiler fans that's fine Sharks are frogs. but outside, outside of Oilerville there's definitely, a, there's definitely a story about San Jose, but I agree. I don't know if anyone wants to watch more because Ovechkin's in it, or if you're going to hear, you know what? Oh well, it's just the the same teams winning again. Like if Pittsburgh was in it, are people going to be more excited because Crosby's there? Yeah. Or are you going to say, oh no, they've won it before, they always win it, blah blah, that type of. There's always going to be something out there for you not to want to watch it or something like that. But I do enjoy a little bit of the Joel Thornton thing. I like Boston. I've never really had a big issue with them. They've done a lot of good things for me. They beat Vancouver in 11. They knocked out the Hurricanes this year. Can't hate them for that. St. Louis, they've got a lot of connections to Edmonton, whether it be the city or the team. I kind of want to see St. Louis uh, finish it off now. Patty Maroon, Patty Maroon, David Perron, Perron Jay Beulmeister, Colin Pareko, a lot of guys out. There's a lot of connections. It's
4: a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun team to follow. Like watching Patty Maroon score that uh, OT winner takedown in Dallas. That was a, a sweet thing to see. Oh, love to see that guy win the Stanley Cup.
2: Hundred percent. Could you imagine the the emotion coming out Go of that ahead. guy when he lifts that cup? Oh man! Is he gonna have Anthony's arm, and then
0: the cup? In the other arm? His way, kid's going to be it's,
2: carrying the cup, right? I'd can an old half of it. Oh, that'd be sweet.
0: And then Pat's got the other part of it. He's just going to lift Anthony up like he's the Stanley like he's cup. The cup. Oh. Yeah,
5: to I mean. me, it's both teams out of the West I want to beat Boston. Either St. Louis or San Jose. I really want to see
4: Joe Thornton beat Boston to win a Stanley Cup. It'd be great. That'd be cool. I
1: mean, who wouldn't want to see Joe win a Stanley Cup? Either, right? I mean, everyone
5: likes that guy, right? Like, who doesn't like Joe Thornton? Yeah. You think he retires if he wins?
1: To me, like, well, we were talking about this upstairs, because to me, you have to. Go out on... on- go out on a high like a Ray Bork style it's yeah. dope he's yeah. had a hell of a career cap it off of the Stanley Cup man it doesn't get better than that
6: but the call of the Leafs is there <laughs> he can go play with the Leafs next year now as a Stanley they, Cup I champion was,
4: I don't know if there's there's money to make that happen one million dollars to it's, be the centerman
1: possible. what's uh Kevin speaking of the Leafs what's going on with Mitch Marner lately there was infighting amongst Leafs fans on Twitter. There's the a podcast. there's
4: a huge divide amongst Leafs fans. There's the more analytically inclined thing, Nylander's the superior player, and there's the more old school fans. They like the good Toronto boy and Mitch Marner. A lot of the more Nylanderish group are suggesting, okay, trade Marner now, get a bunch of like picks and assets and shit, and throw money at like Eric Carlson. And then other people are like. Nylander's a bitch and disappeared in the playoffs like get rid of that guy for literally nothing and give Mitch Marner infinite money. Those are kind of like the two counts.
6: Selling Nylander right now would be like the Oilers. Yeah, it's quite selling, selling low Please, gas.
1: please yeah. sell Nylander now. Maybe would you not. guys, would you guys pull the
4: trigger on Nurse for
1: Nylander? I would.
6: I would too. Matt Penning for Nylander?
4: Nylander's a really good player.
1: Nylander's a good player and he's locked in for a long time. Um, let, it, the, the reason I say yes to this, I like Darnell Nurse. I'm the one that, that came up with the Daryl nickname. But, his next contract going to be expensive
0: are you worried about the money on that trade though if, 6.9 if, six and you're dealing out Nurse who's 3 point for I know Nurse is going to sign for it but you got to think of this next coming season if you're going to do that deal you need to find a way to subtract more money somewhere and it's it'll be real tight to upgrade your blue line if you're sacrificing Darnell Nurse adding another expensive option up front and then not bringing in another defenseman at some sort of salary range because you're strapped for cash. If you do that trade, you're hundred
1: percent right. But what would you do to kind of add another top six where you're going to have to either give up some value or you're going to have to clear space yeah. to sign somebody. I, I,
0: I think the buy low side of things is right, which is what it would be on William Nylander. But I mean, what if it's JT Miller instead who costs you $2 million less than William Nylander. He might only cost you a second-round pick instead of Darnell Nurse. Something along those lines. I think you might be able to shop more around the edges of the market and still find a guy. Like, the Oilers don't need a top-line winger. They need someone to throw with Nuge, right? Because then you can go McDavid, and then you can have someone who's reliable, a consistent... You don't need a consistent 35-goal score. You need a consistent 20-goal score to put with Nugent Hopkins, and bang, there's your second scoring line. Maybe you go get Connor Brown, too, from the Leafs, but... If I'm looking at the Leafs, maybe it's not Neilander, maybe it's Andreas Johansson or Kasperi Kapanen that shakes free from there, and maybe those are names they wouldn't cost you Darnell Nurse. They're more friendly towards your salary cap, and I think they would be also on the block.
2: Yeah, I like Kapanen just as much as like Neilander, except for the fact he's going to be cheaper uh, dollars and acquisition. Um, a lot of guys, they we got to find like a Lee Stepniak type of player that gets signed in early August that puts up that 18 to 23, 24 type of goals. And then if you just win one trade, look what we did with uh, Pat Maroon. Look what we did just with Pat Maroon. Trade. That was a nothing trade. a big trade. ask, man. We have a low bar. Damn that trade. is a big ass. <laughs> All you got to do is win one trade, man. And yeah. even Chirelli won that trade. So Holland should be able to do this, no problem. They paid half his contract and shipped him over here. I think You make one good deal, and then you find a fringe player... That you can sign in August, or you can move like a second or third round pick for, and you've got that taken care of. And I, I the nurse thing, I think you need to hold on for a little bit longer just to solidify your D. I
4: don't know. Like, we, we talk so extensively about how good the guys are that are coming up. If you can move out Russell's money and sell high, I, I really think the nurse for Nylander would be a big win. You put, you put Nugent Hopkins and Nilander and then Drysaddle and McDavid together, and you have two very good pairs. And I think the Oilers are pretty much set for forwards. You can plug in your your Ty Raddies and your Pontus Abergs on those lines, and and you're good. But you you really need that fourth good forward. I don't. I think like the the Stempniak thing. Like the Oilers had that in Chieson this year. Basically, they need they need they need to give Nugent Hopkins his elite player because Nuge right now has to carry around all these boat anchors all the time. And I think we've all accepted that the Dry saddle mcdavid is the top duo. Those guys are going to be playing together. Now Nuge needs his good winger. And then you're pretty much set there for forwards, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Cam's right. Look at the wingers that Nuge played with all year. It's a mixed bag of who the fucks and what's going on. I, I, I don't know that that's a good idea to go into the next season with that. I'm curious what Holland's going to do because he is the guy who got out from under the Pavel Datsu contract. He's the one that moved it. You know, he's cleared cap space before. We'll see what he can do. Who knows? Uh, Earlier in the podcast, Tyler tweeted out from ON radio podcast talking about Dave Tippett as a potential head coach for the Edmonton Oilers. And I just wanted to check in on the feedback um, from a couple of people our friend Fat Dad friend of the show says only Dave Tippett with a mustache Dave Tippett without a mustache can fuck right off <laughs> <That's> Fat Dad <laughs> Fat Thank Dad you Fat Dad in with the analysis uh, Oil Kaholic says it's got to be Camaro Todd think of the ON shirts boys Sound like he's thinking of the bottom line of the company uh SR Morocco SR Morocco so says he dolls. made Arizona, the most excruciatingly boring team in the league to watch, and he missed the playoffs the last five seasons he was there. What's not to love about that? (laughs) Mike DeKalb says, I disagree. Defense first coach who only seems to stifle creativity was also notorious in Arizona for playing gritty veterans over young prospects. He'll be Hitchcock 2.0. Anthony Flynn says, Dallas Aikens not available? (laughs) Bruce B says, Todd Nelson returns. Uh... Matt the Framer says why do people want Tippett what about his coaching career has said he is a winner even in Dallas with a pretty good team he had very little playoff success pass
5: doesn't he have a Jack Adams he might I think lot, he does
6: a lot of guys want Jack Adams. That's, just yeah. a, that's just a most improved team award yeah Matt the Framer <laughs> comes
1: know. in and says well he is old and from the prairie so I guess he must be good
0: <laughs> so we're we were all kind of sold on him but it seems like the nation followers are maybe not on the same well, page th- as us here's
1: how I read that though we've got our guards up 12 of 13 years out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. will do that. So everybody's kind of like poking around corners and trying to hide behind shields and stuff. I don't know. It's the same thing with Holland. Like you can look at his work in Detroit at the end of his tenure there and be like, Oh shit.
6: It was the same thing with Hitchcock. It was the same thing with McClellan. It was the same thing with Nelson. It was the same thing with Kruger. Like it's just, when you go down the list, nobody, nobody has said like, I, I think through the whole, the whole decade of darkness plus, plus, um, no, no coach has been like the answer, but no coach has ever been the real problem either. So I think I think people are just jaded, and it's so it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be you know a lot of criticism, and they're gonna hear him talk for the first time, and we'll love him, and then you know you see how he does on the ice. I That's mean,
1: it. you put Scotty Bowman in his prime behind the bench for the Oilers, and with the, with the team they have, it's just what are you gonna do? You're you're you know you can't build a house. I've said this a million times with three nails and a handful of jelly beans, it doesn't work.
5: After Googling pictures of Dave Tippett's mustache, though, I'm full. I'm even more on board with Tippett, as long as he brings it back.
1: Fat Dad? Maybe Fat Dad's on to something. He's
5: on to something.
1: Uh, we all want to wrap up episode of 37 of Oilers Nation Radio, but I want to end it off on the Lucic gold draft that I mentioned earlier. Cam, we need to get our shirtsies, my friend. We you need do. to fulfill this bet. So what we need to do for next week is we'll have them. We'll have the pictures, what we're getting. We'll put in the orders. Next week, we'll take care of this and get the... Luchich, gold draft, bet, settled.
6: Cam, one. What can you do? I'm a winner. What shirts are we getting again? Getting, um,
4: we're getting lame-ass ones. You're getting ones that say, Coom fan, one, two, three, and four. And you're going to wear them together while I'm there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's nice.
4: It's a nice thing for me to do because my original plan was you guys were all getting <laughs> Connor McDavid Leaf shirts. See, you She's had the opportunity like to fun. bury us. Yeah, but I'm also not a fucking terrible person. I'm more of a narcissist. So I'd rather you guys have cum Fan shirts.
6: Fine.
1: I want to go ahead and thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant and Pog for making this all possible. Go check them out. Again, Sherwood Ford on Twitter is at Sherwood Ford on Instagrams at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. And go check out thepogstore.com and make your life smell a little fresher. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend.
6: Shout out, Damien. Best wishes.